0: hey guys welcome back to devoted devotions for those of you who are new my name is tandy i hope you enjoy the episode and you at least get something that's gonna help you with your spiritual walk um i'm really excited to get into this one so let's invite the holy spirit to join us heavenly father great and holy one the creator of the heavens and the earth all the power is yours all the glory is yours And the kingdom is yours. We submit ourselves to you at this moment, Father, asking that you may pour out your Holy Spirit once more. Father, may you shield us from the enemy's traps. And may you lead us and guide us to all truth. We thank you for this gift of life that you've given us, Father. And we thank you for an opportunity to come together and to read your word. All this we ask in your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen lessons in habakkuk this is also a really short book um not really popular not as popular as jonah everybody knows the story of jonah you could go up to any kid and they'll recite the story of jonah but his message and and what his book stands for and what his book brings to the entire story of the Bible is very profound its contribution should not be overlooked the first point is that god does not give us an itinerary this book is basically like a question and answer session between habakkuk and god he is very frustrated with the state of israel he sees the wickedness and is just so appalled and he's asking he's calling for god to do something And God responds and tells him how he's going to deal with it. But then he doesn't like how God says he's going to deal with it. He questions that as well. So hearing that response, Habakkuk sees that, you know what? God is just, God is God. He has the power. And it turns his worrying into worshiping, you know. So God does not give us an itinerary. What does this mean for us? I'm taken back to Abraham, where he's given a promise. He's given a promise that he will have a son. And he has to wait years before he actually receives that promise. I'm thinking of Noah, who was told that he had to build an ark because it was going to rain. And it took a hundred and twenty years before he actually got into the ark and before it actually rained. I'm thinking of of the Israelites in Egypt. They went there because of the famine during joseph's time and And now they're in Egypt, they're in slavery now and and they need God. They're calling on God to save them. And when he does, God doesn't take them out of Egypt and put them in the promised land. He takes them out of Egypt and he puts them in the wilderness. And it's like, why does he do this? And in the wilderness, they're complaining. They commit idolatry. They're, you know, they're doing all these things. Because their hearts and their minds and their souls are still entrenched with that Egyptian mindset and it takes three generations before the Israelites enter the promised land. God does not give us an itinerary. When God comes to you, he's not going to lay out his plan for you I Fagui calendar and have it all written up and tell you that on this day this is what I'm gonna do in your life, on this day this is what's gonna happen in your life, on this day it's gonna be a bit tough, but don't worry, I'm still with you. He doesn't do that. God expects you to trust him. You have his word. You have to trust him. If if anyone told me what I would have gone through. In these past two years. I don't think I would have believed them. And maybe that's why God doesn't tell us why. Or what he's going to do in our lives. Because we won't believe him. When Sarah was told that she was going to have a child. In her old age. What did she do? She laughed. Because (laughs) who's going to have a child at 90? (laughs) Where have you seen that happen? You know. We don't, we don't take God at his word. Why do we do this? Why do we not believe God? We say we believe him, but when it comes time to doing it, it's like, oh no, I don't know what he's doing. And because what he's doing doesn't make sense in my life, I'm going to have to fix up my own thing. I'm going to have to conjure up my own son. God doesn't have enough power to do that. Then we become, I call it the Sarah syndrome, where we try and manufacture God's promises for us. When he's the one who promised it. So he's the one who needs to fulfill it. Then we go and we're like, yeah, no, take Hagar, do this. Because I won't be able to do it. And why do we think that? We think that because we see our situation with human eyes, with our physical eyes. If we actually, I can't stress this enough. If we started looking at our lives through the lens of Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus healed the blind man by spitting into his eyes? What was he doing there? Jesus was putting his DNA into his eyes to clear out the muck. Because our eyes are filled with that muck. When we look at our lives, we see all the problems that are going on. We see everything that's going on. Wrong in our lives and not focusing on what Jesus, what God is doing in our lives. We don't see it. And what does that do? It makes us depressed. It makes us sad. It makes us doubt the God who created the heaven and the earth. And it's like, if you believe in the God who has the power to create heaven and earth, why are you doubting Him to carry you through the problems that you have now? He's not going to give you an itinerary. He's not going to run his plans by you. He's not going to update you via a status message and be like, oh, hey, this is what I'm doing now. That's not how he works. That's not how he works. We need to have faith in him. We are his subjects. And so when we pray, we also need to pray in submission to him. I think I touched on this in one of the episodes previous um, spiritual adultery with, with trying to pray your own will into things. We need to submit ourselves to God. And when you submit yourself to God, you don't have authority over your life anymore. It's not your life. It's God's life. It's God's boat. He's the one who directs it. He's the one who teaches from it. You give it up. God is not going to give us an itinerary. The second point is that no matter what happens, God is God. It's interesting because we see how frustrated Habakkuk is and he's complaining essentially. God, why why do you allow this? Why are you letting this happen? How can you let this happen to me? How can you let this injustice happen to Israel? These are your people called by your name. How can you let an unjust nation conquer them? It doesn't make sense, God. Why? We may see all these injustices in the world. We may think that, oh, this is not fair. I felt like that. I didn't deserve to not have a mom. My future children don't deserve to not have a grandmother. My brother doesn't deserve to not not have a mother. But with all of that, God is God. God is still God. He sits on the throne. It's not about me and what I think I deserve. It's not about me and what I think I need and want. It's, It's about God. Habakkuk is complaining. He's complaining. He doesn't understand why the unjust are ruling over the just. All I can think about is the cross. All I think about is how there can never be another story. When I say story, I mean an account. Like it, it's not a fairy tale, this is an actual thing that actually happened. There can never be an account of something so tragic ever it can never happen it's impossible it's it's the it's the extreme of each thing it's a man being condemned to the worst form of death the romans constructed crucifixion because it's like it's you suffocate to death but it's like the it's a prolonged you know experience it's it's a gruesome experience while you're nailed to a tree and while your people condemn you to that fate knowing that you don't deserve it everybody knew he was innocent all he did was help people he didn't deserve it he didn't deserve it and he was in that position because someone betrayed him and it's like Jesus didn't deserve any of those things that happened to him but, but it's not just about that. Yes, he didn't deserve it. But the story is, is so much bigger. What he's actually dealing with, what God is dealing with, and what God is doing is so much bigger than, than him not deserving that in that moment. And so in our lives, I'm trying to encourage you to not dwell on the negative things. Let's not see our situations and be discouraged and be weary because everything is going wrong. We don't know what's going on. It's not making sense. But let's have faith in God. I'd just like to take this moment to remind you that the God that we believe in is the God who spoke this universe into existence. That's power you and I cannot even imagine. You can't even, you can't comprehend it. The God who speaks light, who speaks life. That's the God that you have faith in. Have faith in him. Whatever happens, whatever happens in our lives doesn't matter. And people will, will get a bit uncomfortable with me and be like, my life matters and, you know, um, that hurts my feelings. And, you know, it's not about that. It's not about hurting your feelings. It's, it's not about that. All the things that we experience in our lives are molding our characters, are weighing our characters to see who we become in future. Do we reflect the character of Christ in how we deal with the things that we experience In this world, I was speaking to one of my sisters in Christ and I used this analogy. I was sent to go buy bread by our helper. She asked me to buy bread for her. She gave me some money and she asked me to get a few things for her. So when I got to the the till, her money was short. I had an option now. Do I not get the stuff because she didn't have enough money or do I just top it up? So I'm like, ah man, it's not even that much. Let me just top it up. It's fine. So I get home. I'm placed with another choice. Do I tell her that her money was short and she needs to pay back the money that I had to pay? Or do I just let it go? So she saw on the slip that she didn't have enough and she wanted to pay it back. And I was like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it, you know? And later on that evening, the parable that I read for my evening devotion. The parable of the kingdom, how the king forgave this man. He begged for forgiveness. He was like, I don't have enough money to pay for you, to pay this debt. Um, please give me more time, you know, and, and the king forgives him. And then he goes out, this man who was just forgiven, goes out and he goes and harasses other people and he throws this man in jail and he says, you, I'm going to throw you in jail until you pay back this money. And the servants go back and report to the king and tell him that um, this is how he handled um, his situation when it was time for him to be the one to forgive. And that man was called a wicked servant. And you know, it just, I don't know, there was just a light piercing through. And it was like, it's a small thing I was being weighed on. Small thing. When I am given an opportunity to cover someone else's misdeeds or misdoings, do I do it or do I not? And do I expect something in return? My, my debt to heaven, I can never repay it. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough. And I, ex- I, I need Jesus to cover that cost that I don't have. But if I can't do it for someone else, how is he going to do it for me? All the things that we're experiencing are weighing our characters. I never saw it like that. But when it happened and when I was given that word, I just knew that I needed to be more careful in how I deal with people and how I approach situations because my character is being weighed. And that character needs to be molded and needs to look like Jesus. No matter what happens... God is God. The third point is that the just will live by faith. Chapter 2, verses 4. But the just shall live by his faith. I actually don't think I'm equipped to to unpack this. You know, the there's only so much I can share. <laughs> There's only so much I can share. And the little bit that is shared, I really pray that the message permeates through the heart of the person who needs to hear this. The just will live by faith. Faith without works is dead. Live out your faith. Show your faith. In your circles, in your families, in your church, show your faith. And you know, the thing about faith is that it's, God finds faith attractive. When you start having faith in God, you are calling him to you. Your faith becomes a beacon. God notices you. Don't get me wrong. He hears all of our prayers. He sees all of us. But the second you step out and you start having faith in God, God shows up. God shows up for you as and when you need him. That faith that says, you know what? Even if my world is falling apart, even if nothing makes sense, even if I'm losing everyone, even if I don't have anyone to confide in, even if I feel lost, I'm not lost because I have faith in Jesus, the creator. And, you know, it's so sad because Jesus says that if we had faith, the amount of a mustard seed, we would be able to move mountains. I'm not going to go into the smallness of a mustard seed because we already know. I'm sure you can search it on Google. That thing is tiny. Jesus is saying, if you can have that much faith, this is what you can do. And if he's saying that's how much faith we must have, how much faith do we have if it's not as much as a mustard seed? (laughs) I don't know. Are we we seeing this? Faith is attractive to God when you have faith and you say, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to be fearful of this. When you stand up for the truth of God's word and you have faith in him, I'm thinking about... Daniel and his three friends. In an era where Babylon has taken over, these boys identified that the world and the society they were in was attacking the God that they believe in. And they took a stand in their faith because the just will live by faith in an environment where everyone else Bowed down. Daniel, I think it's Daniel chapter 3. It says, when the music played, everyone bowed down. They didn't They didn't debate about it. They didn't question it. It happened and they just did it immediately. Are we like that? Is, is that what we do? Let's ask ourselves these things. Do we just bow down to systems that, that are put in front of us? Do we just bow down to things that directly attack God's law? Are we prepared to stand for the truth of his law? The people we meet in the Bible, the people who existed in these times were not cowards. Not all of them. Gideon was a bit scared. I'm just saying that they had faith in who they believed in. They didn't have faith in their own strength. And I think maybe that's the problem, is that we think that we see what we are capable of, What? us as as human beings are capable of. And we see that that's not enough. When we have faith, we'll be able to move the mountain of fear that stops us from believing in the truth of God's word. The Bible is written by God, a being who cannot lie. Why can't we believe him when he tells us that he's going to be there for us? He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. The just will live by faith. And lastly, I don't know if this is a bonus point, it kind of just feeds into everything we've been discussing in this episode. There's this song, I don't know if you guys know it. It's it's called He's Able. Um He's Able. Um we used to sing it a lot when I was growing up. Um <laughs> I don't have the best voice, so unfortunately I'm not going to sing it for you guys right now. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> I'll sing it for you guys in heaven. <laughs> Um, the lyrics say, He's able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He healed the brokenhearted, he set the captives free, he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. That's why he's able, he's able. I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. As I said, I grew up on this song. It's, you know, we, we used to sing it before we opened our evening devotions. And, you know, unfortunately, when you do something so often, it, it becomes a habit and you, you just do it out of habit. And so I fell into the trap of singing the song because it was a song that I knew. It's lyrics only became real for me during this, this wilderness season of mine. It's literally saying that I know my Lord is able to carry me through. I've been singing, I know my Lord is able to, be carrying, to carry me through my whole life. And when poop hits the fan, we're ready to throw the towel. We're ready to be like, well, God is obviously not working because everything is going wrong in my life. No. 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 It's not true. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He has the power to do it. Can we just believe? Can we actually believe that he will carry us through it? The problem is, because evangelical um, preachers and whatever, these modern preachers will tell you that God will, will bring you out of poverty and give you prosperity. He'll give you all of these things. He'll give you all of these blessings. Your eyes are set on those blessings and your eyes are not set on God. When God says he will carry you through, I would advise that you you zoom out. Look at it from the bigger picture. God is saving us. We spoke about it in Middle Ground. If you haven't caught that episode, go go catch it. Go catch it. It's very, very important. God is saving us from hell. He's saving us from death. We believe in the blood of Jesus, in its cleansing power, in in its necessity for the remission of sins so that we can be reconciled with God again. We believe in him for this, but we can't believe in him to take us out of these mere situations that we have or to carry us through these situations that we have. Let us delight in hardships this is not something that that we hear in sermons anymore because it's it's health and wealth right that's the only thing that matters guys our souls are at stake our life eternal is at stake the hardships that we're facing let's let's not meet them with negativity let's not despise god because of the tough things that we have to face just to reiterate before i close god is not going to give you an itinerary he's not going to lay down his plans and tell you every step that is going to happen but you need to have faith in him you need to believe in him that he knows what he's doing he knows what's best for you no matter what happens god is god come what may God is God. And the just will live by faith. I encourage us to start exercising faith in God. The faith that is as little as a mustard seed. So that we can move these mountains of fear, of doubt, of self-pity. These mountains of depression and these mountains of sin. Because let's face it, that's the real problem. And let's also believe in his power to carry us through. If we're going to believe in God, let's believe in him. Let's actually believe in him. Let's actually have faith in him to do what he said. This is the God who cannot lie. He physically cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And he told us that. He will carry us through this. He's made perfect in weakness. So why do we want to be strong? Why do we want to flex our own strength when he is perfect in weakness? May God be with us. Dear Jesus, we pray that you may be with us with the things that we struggle with. May you help our unbelief, Father. May your Spirit fill us in those areas where we are short. May we exercise patience, love, joy, and peace, and may the fruits of the Spirit pour out from us, Father. May we be worthy to walk in this vocation of which we have been called. We thank you for this message, Father, in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Guys, it is tough. It's not easy, but these are things we need to start working on. We need to start working on the faith that we have. We need to understand why we have this faith we have Amen. in Jesus. Why we why we believe in God and actually believe in him. Let's let's keep pushing. There isn't much time anymore. This world is fast coming to a close. Let's hold on to the truth of God's word. Let's hold on to his son and we will be saved. From your host Tandy, stay blessed.